When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. We've reached another Friday. Yes, it's the Friday edition of the Talking Real Money podcast with me, Don McDonald, because Tom doesn't do Fridays. Tom's taking the day. He takes, well, he does other stuff, but I do the podcast on Friday. And I devote most of the podcast on Fridays to you and answering your questions. However, there still is that giant Russian bear in the room. Uh, that uh, needs to be at least occasionally addressed. Now, as I am recording this on the uh, 11th of March, 2022, after, after the market has already closed, I can tell you that, well, despite the fact that there were a few moments of market joy during the week, they were um, few. <laughs> there were few. Um, they went up, but then the market, let's see, for the week, it still ended down. And we're down since the beginning of the year. Uh, I like to use like VT because that gives you a really interesting approximation of the global market. So VT, the Vanguard Total World Stock ETF, is uh, off year to date just under 11%. Funny, that's exactly in line with what the market's done. Isn't that interesting? It does what its benchmark does because it's an index. Last year, for the whole year, that same fund was up over 18%. For 2020, it was up over 16%. Why do I mention 2020? For perspective. And perspective is crucial, particularly when we're going through these turbulent times. The markets are always turbulent. That's the price you pay for making money. Turbulent. It's the cost of admission. But I need to help you put things in perspective. Let's use that same exact fund, VT, from the beginning of January 2020 until the end of March 2021, when it bottomed out, by the way, that same fund in those three months lost 22% or just over twice the losses we've suffered already. I mean, we could drop another 11% and our decline would still not be as bad as it was at the beginning of 2022 when you may have been tested emotionally and you may have thought to yourself, hmm, should I get out? And then you didn't. Now, it's not always going to be the same. Stocks will go up, stocks go down, but it's not always going to be the same. They won't always move in the same way. This one could be slower. It really depends on what happens other places. So it could be slower. It could occur over months. And the longer it goes, 
the more painful it becomes. We could have the same 22% decline, but have it over the course of a year, and you'd see patients stretched. You'd see the anxiety increase. And a lot of people would start saying, well, I'm done with stocks. I hate stocks. I'm getting out of stocks. I'm never going into stocks again. And that's exactly what some people will do. And as it has been every other time something like this has happened in history, it will end up being a huge mistake. That's what the past has taught us. So you have to be patient. Make sure you've built the right portfolio, and that's what we're going to continue to talk about here. 855-935-TALK is our phone number, and that is a -a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week phone number where we can take your questions. Now, they tend not to sound as good because they're over the phone as if you call them in. Well, you don't call them in. You speak them into your computer by going to TalkingRealMoney.com and clicking on the contact form where there's a little mic button. So we get a lot, we're getting a lot more of those, which I appreciate. Although one of them I have an issue with folks, you'll see which one that is. That's not what, if you're going to do it the way this person did it, just type the darn question and send it in. Okay. Because I'm going to have to edit the heck out of this question to make it interesting to listen to. It's another thing you have to remember. We want this to be interesting to hear too. So we have to we're going to have to just you'll know what you'll know it when you hear it. I'm not even going to preface it. Uh, you'll just know it when you hear it. When I go to it you're going to go, "Oh, that's the one he's talking about." All right, let's get started. The first one again came in from talkingrealmoney.com. Hi Don, Rusty from uh, Lakewood. I was listening to the podcast about Ukraine and the first question was a fellow wanted to know if he could take his contributions out of his Roth TSP before he was 59 and a half. And you said not that he couldn't because the uh, withdrawals would be subject to a 10% penalty. And you specifically said from any IRA. My understanding was that you could take your contributions to a Roth out anytime you want to with no penalty, no taxes, since the taxes have already been paid. Uh, Could you clarify that for me? Thank you. Love your show. And tell Tom he's he should stop trying to be so funny. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Oh, I don't want to hurt the poor guy's feelings. Well, okay, maybe a little, but not a lot. <laughs> You're trying too hard, Tom. You're trying too hard. <laughs> oh, thanks for the call. This is a perfect example of of. <laughs> just kind of misspeaking. We we answer so many questions and we say so much stuff that sometimes all the details don't come out of our mouth. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of particular, I should have said absolutely right. You can take out up to your contributions early from your Roth, only your Roth, only your Roth. You can't take out any earnings, but you can take out your contributions without taxes or penalty. Only your Roth, not your regular IRA. But there are other things, too. You know, you can start taking uh, distributions early from your Roth IRA if you take them in what are called substantially equal payments. So there's there's some complexity to it, and there's kind of, you know, ifs, ands, or buts, as there is with all kinds of tax law, and I'm sure we'll get more into that. But you're absolutely right. Thank you for the call. <laughs> and uh, I'll think about passing that along to Tom tomorrow on the show. 
I probably will end up doing it. It's more fun on the live show anyway, which we do on Saturdays, by the way. You can call us live on Saturdays. Did you know that? You can listen to an actual live broadcast on Saturdays. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and scroll down. You'll see a, uh, a, a, a radio player, and you can listen to the show 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific time. And you can call 855-935-TALK during those times and actually ask live questions, which is kind of nice because we can have a conversation. All right, here's our next call that came in at TalkingRealMoney.com. My question concerns Form 1116 Schedule B. Situation. I'm a long-time user of TurboTax and e-file my return. Oh, my gosh. Let's slow that down. I've completed my 2021 tax returns and am ready to file. However, TurboTax says it is not supporting e-filing of Form 1116 Schedule B, foreign tax carryover schedule. My taxes are rather simple, yet, as part of my asset allocation, I own funds that generate foreign dividend and income. Since TurboTax has taken the position that it's not supporting e-filing of 2021 tax returns that include Form 1116 Schedule B, I'm in need of a tax software package that will allow me to e-file. Please recommend an alternative to TurboTax. <sighs> Did you? Yeah, you know. That's that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, text-to-speech can, can be quite good. Not in this case. Wow, that was reading fast. That was typed in and read text-to-speech. And um, if if it's if you did it for you know a a, a disability reason, I, I get it. But then just send us the typed question; it'll be better. That's just really hard to listen to, and so I had to kind of cut it down. But the meat of it is, uh, it's got a complex foreign tax reconciliation form that has to be filed, and um, TurboTax will still do it. They just can't e-file. You have to paper file. And my guess is, at least with the little bit of research I was able to do into this, that's the case across the board. I don't believe you can e-file at all because of the handling that this document gives gets, according to what I read. So you're going to have to paper file. That's really only a minor inconvenience in the grand scheme of things and Intuit says that they will help you properly paper file it they they don't mean to be a pain they said they can't do it which leads me to believe it can't be done so that's my thinking and again you can type questions to us just go to talkingrealmoney.com and type them on that form but if you want to speak them with your mouth um then there's a microphone button to it there and I think we have yet, oh yeah, we've got a lot more that came in from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hey, Tom and Don, it's Mike from Colorado calling. Hey, I, first of all, really appreciate your show. You guys are always great at answering these questions, and I had a quick one for you. I currently have 8,658 shares of Vanguard short-term government bond, Victor Golf Sierra Hotel, and uh what I want to do is harvest that tax loss, which would be an $8,730 loss. I'm open to suggestions on where to park the money for 31 days, but I'm looking at three alternatives of which Chris Pedersen recommends through your, Paul, your, your, your buddy Paul Merriman as far as best-in-class funds. And the three I'm looking at are iShares, Barclays, Short-Term Treasury, and that's S. H-Y. There's also a uh, a spider short-term treasury, and that's S-P-T-S. 
and a Schwab short-term U.S. Treasury, and that's S is in Sierra, C Charlie, H Hotel, O Oscar. Do you guys see any issues with these funds being differentiated enough since the IRS can be fairly fickle? Or do I need to simply put the money in my money market account and then reinvest it back into the Vanguard short-term government bond once the 31 days is up? That's my question. Again, appreciate all you guys do. And uh, you have a great day. Thanks. Well, Mike, thanks again for a call. And let me preface this answer by saying I am not an accountant or an employee of the Internal Revenue Service, nor will I ever be. However, <laughs> those those three funds you mentioned are essentially carbon or the four funds, including the one you're selling, some you're selling to get the tax uh, loss. Those are carbon copies of each other. They're substantially similar, which is kind of what the IRS is looking for. So my guess is they would be wash sale funds that you would not be able to take the tax loss. However, that's pretty easily remedied. No, I would not keep it in your bank. No, no. Go. go. I went to bankrate.com and wow, there's one high yield savings account at Comenity Bank. You know, it's not the best bank in the world, but it's got FDIC insurance. Um, and then and they're paying 0.75 on daily liquidity money. That's pretty good. So, you know, you're only 30 days, so I don't think that'd be a big deal. And, uh, you know, if you exceed the FDIC limits, you can always, the market has a half a percent rate, but I try to strive for more. And by the way, half a percent is about what these short-term treasury funds are paying anyway. So six one way, half a dozen the other. That's what I do. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for the comment. Thanks for the call. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 is a way to call us with questions or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. And here's another one that was sent in. Let's get that out of the way. Hey, my name is Scott uh, from Louisiana. I'm 46 years old. Uh, I've got roughly 700000 in a 401k. And honestly, I still feel like I'm behind and I should have more. Uh, but wondering about how I um, diversify my 401k and maybe I have too many uh, funds in the 401k, uh, but right now I contribute 25% to a large growth fund, uh, which is GQG Partners. Um, it's a uh, Class F fund with an expense ratio of 0.42. Uh, another 25% into a mid-cap growth fund, which is a Chaplin mid-cap um, Class 5. It has an expense ratio of 0.7. I'm uh, not liking that too much. Another 25% to Vanguard Institutional 500 Index Trust, uh, which is a large blend. And then the last 25% to uh, a Vanguard target retirement date of 2060 uh, with only expense ratio of 0.045. Um, just wondering if I should continue with that um, or if I've got too much going into um, large and mid-cap or maybe if it makes more sense to just put uh, 100% of my contributions into the target date fund. Uh, love the show. Just wondering your thoughts on that. Thanks. 
Oh, don't worry about not being on track because um, you're adding a lot. But even if you weren't adding anything else at your age, based on just actually relatively historical norms, um, you would, by the time you're 66, be looking at a close to $3 million portfolio if the markets just do okay. So I think you're in great shape and you're adding money. Good for you. Yeah, you're you're uh you're you're large cap growthed out, large and mid cap growthed out. This is this is kind of I don't know. I, I personally I think it's pointless. One, those other funds are too expensive. Even the GQG. Uh the the uh, first two, yeah, they're expensive. The Vanguard 500 is unnecessary. It's redundant. Why? Because you own the Target 2060. The Target 2060 fund is an entire market fund. You own all the stocks in the United States, all the publicly traded ones, all the publicly traded stocks on the major markets around the world, and you own a bunch of good bonds. Well, not a bunch of good bonds, because this is a very aggressive portfolio, but that's where you want to be when you're 46, when you've got 20-plus years. It's a 90-10 fund. It's 90% stocks, 10% bonds, which seems very appropriate unless you're more risk averse. The only thing I might do differently, if you want to add some other things and if they're available to you, which I doubt they are, is add some small cap value and maybe add a modicum of uh, real estate, maybe, just for better diversification and to have a few different asset classes that you don't really have. We believe in overweighting value in small companies. And, and having a little bit more real estate than you would have in just a normal stock portfolio. Just a little. That's the only thing I'd change. Otherwise, I would just get rid of those funds completely, the, the uh, Chaplin, the GQC, and the Vanguard 500, and just focus on the one fund. You're adding all the time. It's, I think, a very appropriate place to put your dough. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate your call. And now, ah, finally, an actual phone call. Hi, Tom and Don. I wanted to get your take on a solution that uh, that I had to reduce RMDs. I'm about six years from starting RMDs. I currently have a pension and am delaying Social Security until age 70. I have about $2 million in my 401k, and my solution was to split the, um, uh, the 401k, one-third into equities, VT, and two-thirds into cash. The VT should keep me ahead of inflation and and overall should not be very volatile. Unless I lose my pension, I have no intention of purchasing any more equities. It's all going to stay in cash cash until RMDs. Tom answered an RMD-related question like this some time ago and told the gentleman to either give it away or invest in bonds to stunt the growth of his 401k. I hate bonds. Your thoughts? Thanks for what you guys do. Take care. You hate bonds? That's a very strong statement. Wow. What did they do to you? Except lose you some money sometimes, which everything does. I mean, heck, you know your stock fund loses a lot more, right? Your VT. And you're going to put that much in cash? I don't know how you think I can say anything differently. I don't believe you should have that much money in cash from which to take RMDs for many, many years to come. 
I really truly think you're cutting off your nose to spite your bonds. If you can't stand bonds, I just think bonds are easy. But if you can't stand bonds, and again, we don't like long-term bonds. We want you to be in short to intermediate term, high-quality paper like U.S. government or the highest-grade corporate. But say you just can't do bonds because you're allergic. Uh, Ladder CDs. Ladder CDs so that the RMD amount comes due every year. Now, you may have to buy some through the secondary market. Be easier with bonds, but you might have to buy some through the secondary market. But a lot of the big brokerage firms, Schwab included, offer secondary market certificates of deposit. And then I would create a bond ladder with annual maturities for right about the amount of your RMD, maybe a little more for some spare money. Um, That way, (laughs) you're likely to make quite a bit more money than you will putting it all in cash. What you might even consider doing is taking twice as much as you want from RMDs for RMDs each year, doing that same ladder with twice as much maturing, and then the part that you don't need to pay the RMD if you don't need it to live, you roll it back out to the next longest maturity CD in the ladder. But I I absolutely 100% disagree with keeping it in cash. Thanks for the call. And let's do one more that came in from the website. That's uh, TalkingRealMoney.com where you can record them. And by the way, this one sounds really good. Tom, Don, greetings. I can't say I'm exactly a long-time listener, but I'm working on it. My question has to do with how to pay my advisor. Advisor takes the fees out of the investments they're managing for me. So my question is, is there any reason to care which account the money is coming from? Let's say I have four different accounts. I have a brokerage account, a regular IRA, a Roth IRA, and a cash account. Advisor gets the fee by taking a quarter of the amount from each of the four accounts. So, is there any advantage or disadvantage in doing it this way? Should they not take anything out of the Roth account because that account is one not subject to R&Ds in the future and will also help with taxes at the time? If the fee was paid exclusively out of the broker's account, isn't there going to be a tax I'm going to have to pay since some securities had to be sold in order to get the money for the fee? Also, won't there be a transaction cost I'm paying for selling the securities, so aren't I actually paying more than the fee? The advisor fee isn't a significant amount compared to the entire portfolio being managed, but it is a significant amount. Might it not be best if I pay the advisor out of my own savings instead of my investments? Yes, the real question is, does any of this matter? Well, our last question is by far the most complicated of the day. Because this is one of those, it may seem counterintuitive, but we have the government involved. Which makes it complicated. You see, there are advantages and disadvantages to taking money out of taxable accounts, Roths, IRAs, all of the, actually, IRAs, particularly IRAs. There are advantages, but it depends. And that's the other answer. It depends. Depends on your tax situation. It needs to be reviewed. But there is a simple matter that you cannot. Uh, for example, one of the advantages to, to paying 
from an IRA is that it reduces your RMD. So if you're paying your fees out of that, it reduces your your taxable dollars. But but you if you're paying fees with pre-tax dollars from your IRA, you're okay as long as you don't pay any more in fees than can be attributed directly to managing the IRA. So you see, you can't, there's, a, there's an advantage to taking it out of the IRA, a tax advantage. But if you take out more than the cost of your IRA, then you have a taxable distribution and can get hit with early withdrawal penalties. So it's complicated. This is probably why they do it this way because they got to spread it around and they do a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. So the amount coming out of the IRA is properly attributable to the actual cost of managing the IRA. Uh, there are, there can be some tax advantages to taking it out of the taxable account, but they've got to attribute them to the account because each account has its own fees. So this is my guess as to why they're doing it. Uh, a discussion with a tax advisor would probably not be a bad idea, but my guess is the firm is doing this to protect you. They're doing it this way to protect you. And I think that's going to wrap the Q&A day up. Thank you so much for being a part of it, for, for participating, for listening. And, you know, I meant to ask this at the beginning of the uh, the, the podcast, but because it would really be great, and I just don't see much of it. I look all the time. We hear people say, I love the show, I love the show. Well, if you really love the show, we really want to build our audience up because go look on Apple Podcasts at how many horrible, horrible, horrible investing podcasts there are and how highly they rate and rank. We're just trying to move up the ranking some so we can help more people. And the way we do that is by you sharing what we do. By, you know, you hear a show you really like, then share it on social media with everybody on your lists. Get them to listen to and also spread the word and also leave reviews if you like what you hear. And if you need a little bit more help, you're one of those folks. We talk about you from time to time, not behind your back, right to your face. Uh, If you're one of those folks who needs a little bit of extra help because your situation is really complex, please take advantage of the fact that we will lend you our advisors for a little while for free, no obligation. No high-pressure sales pitch. Really, really, we will do that. We will lend them to you. All you have to do is go to vestry.com and sign up for an appointment or call 800-386-3004. Vestry.com is easier. Also, we've got our big event, which will be live, our big retirement event, Retire Meet, which will be live this year again in Bellevue, Washington. But we're also going to distribute it. We're going to play it live online to everybody in the world. So you can sign up for either the real one that'll cost you money and you get great sandwiches, but you have to go to Seattle or you can sign up for the online one right now at retiremeet.com, retiremeet.com. Actually, retiremeat.com also works, even though no meat will be served virtually. None. Thanks for being there. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald, hanging out, talking real money. 
realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. And to keep the lawyers happy.